NPR. It's Jobs Friday. That day each month when we check in on the latest government jobs report. Today's report shows that last month, the unemployment rate ticked down to 3.5%. And at the same time, the economy added a uh, not-so-great but not-terrible number of jobs, 187,000 jobs. Some economists are dialing down the recession chatter. That soft landing, Adrian. I can almost feel it. Hopefully, hopefully. But, you know, before we get too excited here, uh, we're going to put an asterisk on this jobs numbers today because the thing that we so often refer to simply as the jobs number it doesn't actually refer to all the jobs. Technically, it refers to what the number of crunchers call non-farm payrolls. Yeah, non-farm payrolls, as in jobs that don't take place on a farm. And that's a little weird if you think about it, excluding farm jobs, because the data suggests there are at least two and a half million farm workers in this country. They're in the fields, planting and picking fruits and vegetables. They're on cattle farms and poultry plants and fisheries. So if you're the kind of person who, I don't know, needs food to live, (laughs) hopefully that describes you. Me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. These jobs ought to matter a lot to you. That's right. But you know, farm employment numbers are actually historically very hard to track, partly because they fluctuate a lot from season to season, partly because a large portion of farm workers are undocumented. Bottom line, farm jobs are not included in the monthly job numbers, which means we hardly ever talk about them on Jobs Friday. So you know what? Let's change that. This is The Indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Waylon Wong. Today on the show, it is Farm Jobs Friday. We'll zoom into three of the biggest trends shaping the farm labor force today. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top-10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. One of the biggest cheese factories in the country is located in Hillmar, California. California. When you said big cheese, I thought Wisconsin. <laughs> That's just your Midwest bias coming out, Waylon. Oh, I know. You know, it turns out that Hillmar, California, population 5,000, is a pretty big cheese in the cheese industry. And uh, Hillmar is actually where Daniel Costa grew up. My dad's side of the family, when they first got here, they worked on dairies and my mom worked in a poultry processing plant when she got here from Mexico. I never worked on a farm, just hung out on them. Can you give me one memory 
that is still kind of firmly embedded in your brain? The, the huge piles of like grain. <laughs> and we would just like play, you know, king of the hill and be subsumed by grain and like uh, climbing on bales of hay. And just Fast kind of- forward a bunch of years and Daniel now researches immigration law for a think tank in D.C. called the Economic Policy Institute. Farm workers are a big focus in Daniel's research, so he was the first person we called to understand the main trends affecting the farm labor force. The first thing he mentioned is something we'll call the fissuring of the farm workplace. Yeah, so workplace fissuring is this term that labor economists use to describe what happens inside a company when it stops hiring people directly and starts outsourcing parts of its operation to third parties. So, for instance, a hotel might hire a cleaning company instead of hiring housekeepers directly, or a restaurant might have Uber Eats do delivery for them. Daniel says this sort of outsourcing is increasingly how farm workers get hired. Instead of being directly hired by by a farmer, the farmer contracts with a farm labor contractor who then goes out and finds workers who they send to the farms. The idea behind it is that it really should be a win-win. The farmer can't find workers And the farm labor contractor helps them find workers for a fee, obviously. And these contractors can vary in size. Sometimes it's a big company. Other times it's just a couple of guys. Daniel says about 15 percent of farm workers are hired through labor contractors. And in the biggest agricultural state, California, more than half of workers are. For him, the trend is a bit concerning. What ends up happening is that the farm labor contractors become sort of a risk absorber for the employers, meaning that if a a labor wage and hour violation occurs, the employer can say, I'm at arm's length from that. That's the farm labor contractor. A wage and hour violation, like wage theft, for instance. And Daniel says farm labor contractors are some of the biggest violators of these laws in the agriculture industry. These farm job middlemen are likely to become more common in the future. So Daniel says it's something regulators should pay attention to. Okay, so that is farm trend number one. Farm trend number two is that farm employers say they're having a very tough time finding workers. And in fact, a couple of months ago, in a congressional hearing, some farmers testified to exactly that. I remember over 30 years ago, it started to become harder for my family to find workers. There's ample evidence that we have a substantial shortage of domestic and immigrant workers choosing to work in agriculture. Now, what's interesting here is that at the same time farm owners are saying they're struggling to find workers, many farm workers have only seen their wages rise about $1.60 an hour in the past several years. That's after you adjust for inflation. So that's less than like a 2% raise each year. And we asked Daniel, like, if employers are really having a hard time finding workers, wouldn't you expect wages to rise a little faster, you know, to attract those workers? That is the grand mystery of the farm labor market. Uh. (laughs) You've put your finger on it. So when there's a shortage normally you would think wages would rise, right? That's that's the free market. That makes sense, right? Except the farm labor market is not really a free market in some pretty key ways. For one thing, many farm workers are either here on a visa program that's tied to a specific employer or they're undocumented. That means it's more difficult for those workers to leave a job or advocate for better pay or conditions. On the systemic side of things, there's also the ag industry lobby, which is very powerful and has a history of resisting certain reforms that might force it to raise pay for workers. And then there are 
labor laws. Farm workers are not covered by the National Labor Relations Act. They don't have the right to organize and form unions. They're not covered by the federal overtime law. For the most part, they are excluded from the major protections that all other workers enjoy. Daniel says there are a couple of states that have tried to fill this gap. New York and California have overtime laws covering farm workers and laws that allow them to unionize. Though that is pretty rare. And there are historical reasons for that, which go back hundreds of years. So the modern agricultural industry has its roots in plantation slavery. And even after slavery was outlawed and Congress began passing new worker protection laws in the 1930s, Southern legislators actually pushed to exclude agricultural workers because most of those workers at the time were black. Fast forward a few decades and the majority of the agricultural workforce is not black. It's Mexican. Um, It's Mexican immigrant. That's Edward Flores. He's with the UC Merced Community and Labor Center, which studies the working conditions of farm workers in California. So the challenges that workers face having rights and exercising those same rights are far greater than in any other industry. Um, And this is a population that is fearful of retaliation. So Edward brings us our third farm trend. The farm workforce is getting older and smaller. In 1979, the average age of a California farm worker was 30. In 2019, it was 40. That's a whole decade older. The reasons for this are complex. Fewer younger people getting into farm work, reduced migration across the border in recent years, and in some places, the availability of better pay in sectors like warehousing. The combination of these factors has also contributed to the declining number of farm workers. And that is contributing to a situation where many farmers say there is a shortage of farm workers. That, unfortunately, is something we'll have to save for another episode. For now, that is it for Farm Jobs Friday. We know we have only scratched the topsoil of this complex and important economic sector. Next time, we are going to dig even deeper. This episode was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Neil Rauch. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Kate and Cannon edits the show and the indicators of production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.